Actually, yes, I have a deep love and wonderful appreciation for PCs. Not. I love that, them. That's how we're starting podcast <laughs> 21. Yes, that's how we're starting podcast 21. <laughs> All right. This this is continuing our conversation on the column of power and particularly looking at the subject of bullying. Yep. So the question is, do PCs bully you or do you bully them? Who's got the power here? They bully me because they keep doing things that I cannot stop them from doing on a consistent basis. Well, it raises the question, what does bullying mean then? You're just simply ah. a victim of forces <laughs> beyond your control. Is that what bullying is? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I don't think so. Bullying is a big topic in today's world. Everything from little topic. kids on the playground to uh, Black Lives Matter and police brutality and uh, up and on the corporate scale, in the marketplace, on the internet. Uh, uh, Cyberbullying. Sure. Yeah. Cyberbullying, um, social media bullying. That's That one is just, yeah, ugly. Yeah, that's just so, really ugly. So is there some bullying that's not as ugly as other bullying? <laughs> is there pretty bullying? I think there's, I think it's called bullying light. Bullying light. Yeah. I think that's an insane suggestion. <laughs> I think you qualify as not accurate. <laughs> you know, that's probably one of the nicest things you have ever said to me. And I think it's because we're recording, quite frankly. <laughs> sure. And I would be accountable for what I say. <laughs> I like this. Maybe we should record now, see, every. Yes, I, I understand. The, 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 the challenge that we have is we can't lose. We can't gain people watching by what we say. That is, of the 7.4 billion people in the world, nobody just turned us on because we talked about that. But we could lose some of the 12 people who actually are watching. <laughs> so we can always lose viewers, but we can't gain, can't them. gain them. I know. I get that part. <laughs> I think bullying has to do with power. I also think bullying has to do with self-image or lack thereof on the part of the bully or no yeah the bully the bully the bully not the, the bully bullier. or the bullier the bullier not the person okay. receiving bullying but the the guy who's doing it or the cow whoa you assume it's a guy there you I go said, look I at that guy or i said guy or gal yeah you corrected yourself after you thought about it <laughs> See, that's what prejudice is. Prejudice is an immediate response without thinking. Oh, then you have to cool. undo. But we're we're not talking about prejudice in this podcast. Maybe that'll be in the future. Some other time. No, I think that there's very much the sense of which we talked about the column of power in our last last podcast, that this is a, a very real element in that that concept of common of a column of power, it probably would would probably do us well to maybe do a little bit of review of what we're talking about. We say column of power uh, so that people understand. Just in case somebody listens to 21 and has never heard anything we said before and is not likely right. to go back and listen to anything previous. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so... Describe Our previous podcast, by the way, numbers one through 20 are kind of like leftovers in a refrigerator. Some of it's actually still pretty good. Some of it might really just need to be thrown out. <laughs> <clears throat> but we're savers. And so we just leave them in there. <laughs> Our parents were from the Depression era. Yeah, that's we right. Learned it, we learned it well. I yeah. still have a drawer full of shoelaces. Yeah. <laughs> Worn out shoelaces, I might have. <laughs> but you can always find shoes that they will fit sometime. Exactly. Anyway, so so <laughs> this one, really so we're going to review the column of power. Is that what you're saying? Well, just can you do it in like 20 seconds? 
Sure. The column of any human organization has a column of power in it and and a column of power holds up the organization. It's like a tent pole or a building structure that holds up the 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 relationships. A column of power is who gets to say what happens, how it happens, when it happens. The events that comprise the community are decided or influenced within that column of power. And the higher a person moves in the column of power, the more control they can exercise over the events that occur. That's what the column of power is. Now, there might be formal titles. You could have a, a district manager or regional manager or the vice president or the president of corporation in corporate. You can have uh, members and small group leaders and assistant pastors and pastors in churches. You can have uh, 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 committee members, committee leaders, and uh, officers and the president of a, a an association. So there's a column of power. Sometimes they're very well defined, but sometimes the column of power is not clearly defined or it's informal. And there's a group that is trying to make decisions, but there's one person who's not given any kind of a role. They don't have a title, but if they cross their arms, that motion or idea is going to fail. Kids on the playground, there's an informal column of power. Everybody goes out to play. They're second or third graders, young children. And one kid will say, let's play four square. Let's get a ball and play four square. And one kid will say, no, today we're going to play tag and then everybody says, okay, we're going to play tag. Why? Why did that kid get to decide what is going to be played on the playground? Because there's a column of power. Right. Everybody reckoned. So it could be called the pecking order, using sure. idea from chickens sure. or from the barnyard, that there's right. a head chicken and they peck all the way down, and then the person at the bottom is the one that gets henpecked. Right. But, the, but the reality is the column of power is really an idea worth considering every human organization that involves two or more people. I think once yeah, there's exactly. two, there's a column of power that yeah, occurs. I agree. I, agree. I, I think it's also, I think we, we need to also clarify for our viewers, uh, all 12 of them, that uh, when we come to this, these kinds of topics, particularly, 12 is actually a good number. Jesus had 12 and he changed the world. So you're right. You're right. Um, you know, we come from this context of what we do in our trainings with the book we have, which is why do people act that way? So the question then about bullying is, is what do you, the two diagnostic questions we use all the time is, oh, what is this doing to you? And what are you going to do about it? So you might want to keep that in mind as we talk today, because that is how we address these kinds of issues from that perspective um, as we talk about it. So let's dive into the whole idea of bullying and what, how that connects itself to the column of power, what that looks like. And we've been, you and I have been discussing, okay, how do you define bullying? And the traditional one you will, the Oxford Dictionary one, I will just read it, is to seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. And we're taking a little different perspective of what bullying actually is or is not, um, which really has to do with the character of the person who is the bully and what does that look like in relationship to the concept of power and the column of power. So why don't you explain that, if you would? I, it certainly is not the complete final analysis of bullying. I understand that. But one of the concepts I have in the issue of bullying is that the 
bully person is actually weaker than everyone else in the environment. The bully believes he or she is weaker than others in some key area or some position within the the community there. And using their various means of manipulation, of control, of influence, of dominance, some kind of tool, they seek to gain what they don't actually believe they have. They want respect. They don't believe they have it. So they use coercive tools or mechanics to try and force people to recognize their uh, leadership or their authority or their idea. And they and the bullying aspect is not just that they're a leader. It's not it's not merely that they can can create a good environment or influence others. It is that they don't believe they have power or respect or control. They don't believe it. So bullying is an effort to gain what the bully believes they're lacking from others within that environment. And if you understand from the outset that the bully believes he or she is weaker, that they are in a deficit, you can be one step ahead of what's going on in the bullying situation. We tend, at least the way I hear it, we tend to focus the issue of bullying on the victims of bullying, that they're weak, they're controlled, there's, um, they are manipulated, they are hurt by what the bully is doing. But it doesn't unravel the complexity of what's happening in the bullying relationship. Bullying has to be a relationship. One person on their own cannot be a bully. You have to have someone else in the environment to push around, to dominate, to control, to hurt. The Oxford definition had something to do with inflicting harm on a victim or someone who is vulnerable. So there's always at least two, and the number of victims may be uh, much larger in number. But I think if we start the conversation by looking at the deficits of the bully, we can actually get somewhere. The bully perceives they are weaker than everyone else. I think that's I think that word deficit is a really, really good one for us uh, to help people camp on a little bit because we don't think in those terms. And so you mentioned several things, respect, uh, control, power. Uh, let's put this in some other context of uh They don't think they're loved. Uh, They don't think that they are getting appreciated. They don't think that um, that they are um, valued. And so what does that sound like to you? I mean, who who does that kind of bullying in in our world so many times? So take go down that road. I don't know where you're going with that. So what about in relationships with moms and you know their kids or moms and their grown sons or dads and their grown sons or you know a lot of times that is like well if you really love me and it's not aggressive it's passive if you really love me you would spend more time with me you would come as and you're going i'm here five days a week how in the world am i not spending enough time with you and where's the deficit lie it doesn't Wait, lie how, do, how do we get from bullying to family to a uh... Uh, a passive aggressive Real- mother. Well, because relationship relationally, what is she trying to do? She's trying to drive something that isn't real because she feels there's def- deficit or the dad feels there's deficit in the relationship. So it's done. It could be done aggressively. And my point is it could be done passively, uh, passively aggressively in relationships. Bullying is not always overt. 
All right. So do we need to have separate discussions on overt bullying? That is somebody who punches out uh, a victim to get them to comply. That kind of the schoolyard bully or the corporate right. bully or the church right. bully who right. harms other people versus right. the passive or what's the opposite? The covert. Is that the opposite right. of overt? Yeah, the I would covert guess, yeah. bully. That's an interesting idea. Oh, the overt bully and the covert bully. I like it. Hmm. Because that's a very real thing, particularly in the column of power. In power structures, you have overt bullies. That what do they do? They get angry in the meetings, and they they are they're extroverts that because they want control or they think they're not they don't have respect in the room. They're going to demand that, and they're going to put everybody in their place and make sure everybody knows where they belong in the hierarchy of, of the organization. And they are holding the top power versus those who are covert in those relationships. And many times the thing you described at the very beginning is that we talk about the column of power. Sometimes it's the person that crosses their arms that's standing next to the formal power, but really they're the power, and what have they just done? They didn't do anything really overt. They did a covert thing because everyone knows that's the person that holds the power, and they're bullying everybody in the room by their covert response. Okay, but the person may say, I'm only leading or influencing. I'm not bullying anyone. I'm not raising my voice. I'm not... uh going behind people's backs. It's just that people respect my opinion and they they will wait for me to come up with a, a viewpoint or a decision and then they're going to go along with that. That's not bullying. That's just influence. How, how are you differentiating between those two? What makes it bullying? What, what is it? What is the aspect that changes influence into bullying That's so that you can recognize question. it when you see it? That's a very good question because it's intimidation. In my mind, when we, when we move from influence is that we're open to dialogue, we're open to discussion, you're, or I'm open to disagreement with your position or you're open to disagreement with my position and that's an okay thing for us to go there versus someone who, when you cross your arms because you have seen this in the organization for many years, that this person, you know, we all have this old, we know this old saying is that, you know, I don't get mad, I just get even. That's that person they're bullying and they're bullying from a passive standpoint that says you go against me i'm going to make your life pretty unbearable because i'm the guy that really has the power here that's bullying to me because it's intimidation okay but it's not if a person's okay then let's go back and and reevaluate the original discussion if the person actually does have the power then they're not in deficit at all. And my my theory that I posited at the beginning was the bully is in some kind of deficit. They actually believe they are weaker than others in the environment. That's that's in the character of the bully. Okay, but I but you're saying that that's not always true. No. No, I am saying that's true. I'm saying, though, the person who's being the passive aggressive in this situation, in this, in this organization, where the person who's got the formal power, they're actually making the decision that says that the other person disagrees with that. What are they doing? They're saying their deficit is I don't feel like I have the power, but I'm going to insert that. I'm going to, I'm going to show you that I have that power, and this is what I'm going to do. Whether they see it or not, Everybody sitting in that room knows exactly what's happened. And so their deficit is that I, I mean, whether they admit to it or not, 
am I really the guy that everybody's going to pay attention to and follow my lead, but I'm going to make sure that they do. Why? Because I have a deficit that I'm not in that driver's seat. I'm not the formal power that can make this happen. I think it's both. Or maybe they are. We can't necessarily put out the position that the bully in that case is not in the position of power. They are the chairman of the committee. They are the president of the organization. They are the owner of the business. So they, they have that measure of control within the column of power. They have that. But there's some other factor that takes it to the level of bullying instead of legitimate leadership. Right. And the question that I have is what, where is the piece of this puzzle that signals where is bullying and where is legitimate leadership? If legitimate leadership is occurring and some members of the group don't like the decision or the outcome. They resist that. But the the person in leadership, the the whole the whole family has to go somewhere for dinner. And right. so and so when you have six people in the car and two don't want to go to this restaurant, but four don't do, or the one who's driving says this is where we're going everyone else has to go along eventually it's not an option to get out of the car even though you might threaten that while the car is moving down the road and go somewhere else i mean families get embroiled in bullying issues is that actually responsible leadership to for the driver to say i know you're going to feel bad about this but for the good of the whole we're all going in this direction even if you don't like it is that bullying to the one member or two members of the family or group who are not on board with the outcome or the decision? Or is that just necessary in good leadership? I mean, when we were at the flood in 1997, this sounds like ancient history to some people who are watching, but we were leading a youth event at Colorado State University in 1997 on, uh, in August. And uh, it had rained up in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains, and all that water came down uh, during our evening program on Monday night of our conference. We had 4,000 teenagers in a a basketball arena, and all of a sudden, a six-foot wall of water went down through campus and swept away uh, garbage dumpsters and semi-tractor trailers, and a train got knocked off. I mean, it was a huge event. It destroyed millions of dollars in property. It was a, it was a major, major event. We were in this unit, this building, and, uh, and all of a sudden the power went out and we had a total darkness, 4,000 teenagers. We had a plan, but we had a plan for a lightning storm or for a a campus shooter or a crisis or we had, but not for a, a flood in the Rocky mountains. I mean, we just didn't have that. We had to make decisions that all 4,000 of our conference plus another 1,000 kids that were there for basketball or football, cheer, cheerleading, other kinds of conferences that weren't part of our organization, we had to make decisions that everyone followed. And there was a significant resistance. One of the comments that was made was we were the the leaders, I was the executive leader, and we had a whole team of people that were in on this. We were acting like bullies because we wouldn't let certain groups go back to their dorms through six-foot-deep floodwaters with snakes and poisons and all kinds. We wouldn't let them go, and we forcibly compelled them to stay in that building all night long in the dark until the sun came up and we were cleared to go back in. The question is... Is that legitimate leadership that either ignores or or removes any kind of counter decision from the group? Is that bullying or is that leadership? 
And I suppose one answer to that is which side of the issue are you personally on? If you're there saying, I want to go back to my dorm with my kids and those guys who are running this event are just bullies. All they do is run everybody into the ground. We're saying we know things you don't know. And we're, we don't know things we don't know. So if we let you go into your dorms, you could be electrocuted to death or nothing will happen. I mean, we're seeing the same thing on a global scale right. in the, in the uh, COVID pandemic. Right. People saying, don't tell me what to do. You guys, you medical people are just bullies. All you right. do is you know, you tell us we can't go to work, we can't meet, right. and we have to stay 12 feet apart, and that's just ridiculous. Nobody gets right. sick, and even if people get sick, um, only 0.1% actually die, and more people die from smoking cigarettes every day, and we don't shut down the whole world because people are smoking right. cigarettes, on and on and on and on. So it really comes down to a question of what's going on in the bullying power leadership situation that constitutes bullying compared to legitimate leadership. Okay. I believe that the, where this, where the dividing line comes, because I was there with you and I was part of that leadership team, you know, that in that time, and we heard those things, but the difference between bullying and true leadership of influence is that it does not become personal intimidation uh, in, from a standpoint of making people do something that they don't want to do. They didn't want to, they wanted to leave. We said, no, this is what's good from a leadership standpoint. This is what's good for you and you and you and you and you and you. It was never a personal uh, degrading of anyone of saying, you can't go and stop being such a, a village idiot because look what you're doing. To, to me, that changes it right away. And we can, you can bully a group by calling them all kinds of personal attacks against those individuals. At that point to me, you're no longer leading, you're bullying. Because what are you doing? You are personalizing and demeaning a character, demeaning a person, taking the dignity out of a person's life for you to do what? For you to be in control, for you to have this perspective. Okay, right there. No, right there. I think that's the issue. There's a deficit in the bully. And yes. they are using intimidation or insult or mockery or something to fill a hole in their own life. Yes. That's that's what constitutes bullying as opposed to legitimate leadership doesn't have that gap, that hole. There's right. no deficit in their lives. So your compliance is not going to fill an empty spot in my exactly. life. Exactly. That I think is critical, which is why I came up with the idea that the bully is functioning from weakness not strength in their opinion. And if you understand what the weakness is in the bully, you'll be one or two steps ahead of what's going on. So let's go back to um, uh, a, a community situation Okay. At which a neighborhood group is getting together to make a decision about uh, how to clean up a park. Right. And there is one person who functions like a bully, and there's another person who functions like a leader. Okay. So if you ask the question, where is the gap or deficit in the mind of the bully? The bully in dealing with the community says, I want my idea to be done so that I'm the most important person. I feel devalued and I'm not as important as I want to be. I have a, a gap 
of my understanding of my own importance in this community. Therefore, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to mobilize my friends. I'm going to use any kind of means. I'm going to down talk the other legitimate person because I have to gain the respect of having my decision acted. The other person who is simply doing leadership is not getting, they already feel comfortable who they are. They want the best decision for the community as a whole. It is not about my idea has to win or I'm suffering here. This is good for the community. So a legitimate leader is going to function from strength and a bully is going to function from weakness. And if you understand that concept, watch then how the person that is in question is functioning. How do they act? Is it always about sucking something in? I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to demean you. I'm going to insult you uh, so that I get something out of it. That's bullying. Or... We function like a team. We're in a community. I have the vested leadership in this situation. It is not about me getting something out of it. If you watch the behaviors and the actions, you can then be a step ahead of what's going on. And dealing with bullying is understanding that issue first and then moving to counteract that. Right. So let's take that scenario and let's keep moving with it because I think we ought to talk about kids too in a minute in the same kind of context of, so what does this do to you? Now the next question is, what are you gonna do about it? So in that context, the bully who's the, the community person is rallying the troops, demeaning them, you know, all these kinds of things so that they can become the person that that is seen as Mr. Wonderful or Miss Wonderful, Ms. Wonderful in that context. So let's answer those two questions. So what is this doing to you and what can you do about it? How would you answer those? So if the, if the means being used to come up with an answer in the community is is set as we're going to have small group discussions until next Tuesday, then we're going to gather together and, and vote. What's what counters the bully is to make that process clear and understandable and agreed upon by the members of the community. Bring that up on the table. Folks, we're going to talk in small groups. Don't listen to anyone who goes from group to group to group. Listen to your group. We're going to come back together next Tuesday and we're going to vote. Do we all agree to that? Well, then when the members of the group do agree to that and one person starts going behind everybody's back, the community as a whole can say, wait a minute, that's not legitimate. That's undermining what we agreed to. We're not going to contribute to doing that. That thwarts the bully. If if in uh, legitimate leadership, then a clear and and, uh, agreeable process. Now, when you're dealing with kids on the playground, how do you counteract a bully? Or in a family, you mentioned you know, about the mom who says to their grown child, you know, you're not spending enough time with me. Um, How does that, how do we begin to address that kind of situation? So when, when I look at what is it doing to me, it's sucking power or some valuable commodity, respect, agreement, uh, conciliation. It's sucking something out of me in an illegitimate way to have a an outcome of filling a hole in the bully's life. What it does to me is it, it reduces me down to uh, a victim. 
of what's right. going on. Right. What am I going to do with it? I'm either going to grouse. I'm going to give up. I'm going to stop caring about what goes on. I mean, it's going to it's going to remove my incentive right. to be a legitimate player. So right. bullying has many outcomes that are really destructive. I feel bad about myself. Um, right. I feel bad about the group that I'm in. Right. And, and I feel bad about legitimate process. So if I can address the issues of the bullying process openly, I may be able to thwart that. But there's all kinds of informal bullying situations in families, for example, or in, right. in associations and groups uh, that have... Uh, uh, their bonding is affection or a common uh, viewpoint. They're part of a church or a synagogue or the, uh, right. a religious organization or some kind of service organization. And bullies, I mean, in fire departments everywhere, you know, the idea of the there's the the company uh, the the company um, bully who runs everything. It's a, somebody in the auxiliary and you can't get around that person that the issue of bullying uh, occurs constantly. I mean, it just, and, and people feel badly about it. And, and, and what it does to me, it reduces me down to a, to a, uh, uh, a cog, uh, a bit player, I'm no longer valued and and my energy and my ideas, everything is siphoned off. And uh, so so dealing with the bully, uh, they're everywhere. I mean, it's just it's just it's just continue. So let's talk about the informal then. Well, I I think we need to be a little more succinct in how do we deal with what what does it do to me? And what am I going to do about it? Um, from the standpoint of of how how am I going to be able to move this in a direction that's going to bring some resolve, or can I bring resolve at some level? Because we talk about, and when we talk about power and what that does, is that it's about bringing resolution through change. So. When we think of it in the context of, okay, what is this doing to me and what do I do about it? I think that first part is so critical of changing one's mindset. It says the person who is doing this to me is at a deficit. They're at a greater deficit over whatever particular issue this is in their life. To ferret that out is, I think, critical for you to begin, begin able to begin to put together some kind of a game plan of what do I do about it? You know, what do I do with this? Uh, in this in the settings, uh, I think you know one of the classics. They you know they say to kids, "Stand up to the bully." Okay, um, why do they say that? Why is that so? so critical that you stand up to the bully. Um, well, I'm not so, sure that's the best. Well, that's well the, the, best the challenge then is it's the fight fire with fire. Right. You're going to bully the bully or you're going to exactly. get everybody together to stand up and fight the bully. I, and in, in some situations, some professional or community or corporate situations, uh, thwarting the bully's power or attempt to accumulate power might work. Right. But when it's your mom who is now an empty nester right. and everyone is growing up towards adulthood, but mom is being left in the dust of their lives and now has resulted to passive bullying techniques to control everybody in the family. Right. I mean, a, you know, it's classic shtick jokes that, that are told 
that have to do with parents who can't let their children be adults. They still have to maintain parental influence and control dominance over their adult children when their children have moved up and moved on. The parent doesn't want them to do that. So the parent can become a, a bully but not necessarily overtly. They can become right. a covert bully, right. a passive bully to try and, but still the, the issue is what is missing? I used right. to be in control of my little brood of children and now they're flying on their own and I'm not in control anymore. I'm missing the control. I'm missing the influence. I'm miss- My identity was... I was Johnny's mom. Right. I I was Susie's dad. And now I don't know who I am anymore. I've lost right. my identity. My deficit is I don't have an identity. Right. So so that leads to and, and when a person says I don't have an identity, but I'll find one. You know, I'm a great square dancer or I'm a woodworker. Sure. I love to golf right. Or, right. or I travel the world. Well, that's fine. You've replaced being your kid's mom or dad with a new identity. But when you right. haven't, when the right. person has not and right. still has to manipulate, control, weep, cry, right. sit in the dark until you come and change my light bulb kind of thing. Um, yep. The deficit is my identity or my uh, my power in the column of power of the family has been taken away and I need to use whatever means necessary to get it back. That's right. where it becomes bullying. Right. And so, so what do I do about it? Uh, then becomes fairly, I mean, this becomes a bit complicated and a, quite sophisticated. And that's one of the things that we do a lot, uh, you know, a significant amount of training on of helping people how to engage at these different levels. But we're not going to do that here. Well, just in a very simple form, then if that's what's going on in relationship, we'll continue this illustration of mom. So now that you've identified the deficit, so then the right, the question is, what do I do about it? Is then begin the process of of helping the, your mom or your dad or whoever it is that's doing this to have real conversation at that level, because quite frankly, when it's covert or passive, I think many times people don't even know that's what they're doing. And who doesn't you know, know the bully or the recipient, the bully. The bu- the bully. Okay. The recipient knows, but the bully doesn't see it that way. But the recipient so, might not know that well, they're being true. bullied. I right. mean, it really has to do with a transfer of power from the environment into a gap in the bully. The bully believes they're in a deficit, that they're right. weaker, and right. they suck power in. And once you understand that's what's happening, you're dealing with a bullying situation. Right. So to bring that to a place of understanding, that has to get on the table with the bully as well, you know, in that relationship, because that that's my point is that they may not even see that or understand that. And now when you're saying, oh, so that's the problem is that, you know, I'm 28 year old guy that has my, you know, I, I'm, I'm have a, pro- a profession. I'm making good money. I'm married and my mom still, or my dad still does not have their own life. They're still seeing me as this 12, 10, 12, 14 year old kid that they, you know, that they invested. That was their entire life. They spent, right. You know, now that's, and that identity is crashed. So they're continuing to try to bring that back. Oh, okay. That's why I feel like I am being bullied or I am manipulated because the power is being the power that deficit that is not there is they're trying to suck me into that vortex so that they have identity. That's a great conversation to have. 
not an easy, necessarily an easy one. It may take a third party that you pull into this, a close family friend that's maybe your parents' age, or maybe it's a different sibling that's older than you or even younger that can actually have that, you know, is willing to, you know, communicates better because maybe you guys have been like this for whatever. Uh, okay, so so in our in our vast pool of wisdom and knowledge, we could beat <laughs> on this for a long time, and no, and no, this no. horse is already dead, so why keep yep. beating it? So exactly. the, so we don't normally give one, two, three steps at the end of our podcast, but what are some real methods that people can do to deal with bullies? in their lives, in their, in their corporate environment, their family environment, their community environment, in their associations. Well, I mean, real, realistically, give up and quit. Walk out. Just have a different life. You can walk away from it. Sure. Absolutely. Sometimes you can't do that. I think step number one is, is take the idea that the bully is the one in deficit. And bring that into your thinking right. first. Right. That you're that you being bullied are actually in a greater position of power than the bully is. You just don't believe that yet. Because the, you have something the bully wants. Right. And they're trying to suck it out of your life. That that concept becomes transformative. I mean, it really does change right. the situation when the person being bullied has in their mind, the bully is weaker than I am. I just right. don't know how. So that, uh, if, if there's anything to do, start with that one. Now, start to put into words or try to put into words exactly where is the bully weaker than those being bullied? Right. What does the bully want, need, demand, expect, hope for? What are they using the power in the environment to gain? If you can put that into words, now you can say, I'm just going to give it. Or right. nothing that bully does is going to get it from me. Or... Right. We're going to put that up on the table so we can all talk about it. Right. Or <laughs> I'm going to find someone else to give it and direct the bully to somebody or something else to satisfy their craving or their demand. There's a number of things you can do once you begin to put into actual words. And now that probably the additional step, I'm not saying necessarily they one, two, three. The other thing is, the others in the environment, put it up on a table to talk about. Right. And I would say, say, well, how do I do that? I would say, look, listen, you have to listen. You've got to, the this, this sense of setting aside. Don't say have to, gotta. That's need, should, ought, must. What I do just, they do? I just corrected myself. Do not go there, grammar police, because I'm going to use those words just for you. No, don't. I don't that, want to hear them. The, the, the reality is, is set yourself aside and listen carefully and listen for those words that are words that are all-encompassing, words that are demeaning, words that are personal in, in its attack. Words like leverage, need, anything that becomes leverage, need, should, ought, must, everybody, everything, all the time, always. Those words that are that the bully uses those words exactly. The bully uses those words. So, if you're asking a question, is this really bullying? Those words will come out and they will come out frequently. Okay, and once you start hearing that and thinking that through. It's like, oh, I never really thought about that before. So when we say identifying this whole aspect, those kinds of trigger words are standard vocabulary with someone who is bullying, whether they're overt or covert, they're going to be there. Yeah. So in bullying situations, 
the more power, the more of the commodity that the bully sucks in, is that, in your experience, going to resolve the bully's need to bully other people? They get what they're craving. Does that satisfy their need to get it from others, or does it make it worse? Right, right. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you a question. Oh, it makes it worse. It makes it worse. Because if you don't deal with the bullying situation, it's going to get worse. Correct. So you're either going to deal with this now at this level of bullying, Correct. or the bullying is going to get worse over time. Correct. So you're either going to take action in the future, which is I'm going to walk away, or I'm going to deal with it, or I'm going to break sometime in the future. So what we're saying is start earlier, even today, identify what's going on. Why is it going on? What does it do to you? And what are you going to do with it? And now you can get somewhere. It's not the final answer, but it gives you some way of starting. So this, this has been a great discussion and we're really glad that you joined us today on uh, gripping reality so uh hope you continue to listen with us and mike if they want to get a hold of us where are they going to go send an email the easiest thing to do is email to mike at grippingreality.com. you can spell mike with a y for me or mike with an i for the other one him and uh and we will both we share the emails we talk about what issues are raised and what comes in We call it gripping reality because if you don't take ownership of the reality you're in, you can't do anything about it. You won't do anything about it or you just don't. Now, we also recognize if you're going to grip something, there are times when it's just too hot for your fingers or it's too sharp or it's too heavy. Or it's even too light and you don't know right. how to get a grip on it. Those are ways in which we can help you begin to handle, hold, and then grip your reality. So right. keep listening. We're going to cover. Yep. If you have topics you want us to cover, send in an email and give a suggestion of what you'd like to see. And uh, stay with us. This is what we do. All right. So thanks.